starts to rush. He hits Hunter. He did it all. A shot and a goal. Juno finds Bellows. Here's Bellows. Sweeping in. Pops it down. Luke Hunter scores. Joey Juno scores the goal. And the Capitals are headed to the Stanley Cup final. And now Cruz nets off right half. 720 to go. Cruz even a move to the front. The shot he holds and it's gone. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I am your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to be joined again for like the third time in six episodes or something, Isabel Kershudian from the Washington Post. How you doing, Isabel? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me again. No, thanks for coming on. The listeners love it, and uh, you always have a lot of great insight for us. Uh, I mean, even now, I mean, you must be exhausted. It's been a long series. Yeah, I could go with less overtimes in the second round. Uh, that would be good. Uh, or if they go to overtime, short overtimes would be good, and it quickly. So yeah, that's my big wish for round two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it was crazy. Five games. I mean, all within one goal. The six all within one goal. Five of them going to overtime. Um, if I'm remembering everything correctly, I mean, the whole series is a blur now. I mean, it's over and done. But the uh, the Capitals were able to pull it out. I mean, definitely when I had you on the preview show, I wasn't thinking the series was going to be this tight. Um, and I think it's just, I'm glad it's over, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I think pretty much everyone expected five games, so it went six, which that's not that big of a difference, obviously, but um, I think where everyone was kind of caught by surprise was just how competitive it was. Um, I mean, when you get to overtime, it gets to be sort of a coin flip, and, you know, obviously they played five of them. <laughs> um so, yeah, I mean, I came away really, really impressed with the Maple Leafs. Um, I think that's a team that I could see in the conference final next year uh, if they get, you know, maybe a couple good defensemen or something like that. Um, those kids are really, really good. And it it was a really kind of – I think it's going to be good for the Capitals in the long run. It was a super entertaining series. I think it was kind of good for hockey um, in general, but – uh, I think when I looked at it through five games, both teams that had exactly 175 shots. I mean, it was so close. Yeah, I mean the, I mean you're supposed to have a lot of parity in the league. That's obviously good for the league. They want everything to be close. But man, oh man, I, I mean the President's Trophy winner having this much trouble with Toronto was a little rough. I mean the scoring chances. I really thought Washington looked pretty good for most of the series, especially in the last game. Um, I mean, Toronto was getting... It just felt like every bounce was kind of going their way at times throughout the season, the series. But, I mean, I, I guess that's kind of the adversity everyone talks about, the the great teams being able to overcome. And I guess this year the Capitals were able to do it. Yeah, I mean, they should be able to kind of work the problem. But, um, you know, when everybody talks about bounces, I think Holtby kind of talked about it best in that those things aren't always as random as they seem, that, you know the Maple Leafs, they were shooting kind of for traffic. They were shooting at skates and trying to get a lot of bodies in front and just shooting it into areas, um, sort of creating their own luck. Uh, and I think it was a smart way to do it. Uh, cause you could sense like at times the capsules were getting a little frustrated with, you know, bounces going against them. And I think that kind of gets to be a dangerous mentality. Um, this whole concept of, Oh, everything's going against us. Um, you know, you, 
again, you create your own luck. It, they're doing that by, you know, just shooting everything, by being in the right places, by, you know, I don't think there was any game that the Maple Leafs really, truly stole. I mean, they played well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did the right things to be able to have some luck. So um, I think for the Caps, it's sort of a good lesson going forward is that if they sort of stick with it, um, not only will, you know, maybe a bounce here or two there not, like, end them, but it could also go in their favor, too. Um, there's two sides that were in. I thought, you know, especially, you know, after game six, Justin Williams had said something like, you know, when that bounce went off the... I thought the worst bounce was the one in game six where, you know, the dump-in goes off the stanchion, you know, the puck goes right into the middle of the ice, and there's Austin Matthews of all people. Um and he said, you know, that break wasn't going to break us. And you saw the Caps kind of flip it on after that. Um, I think that's how they have to go through the rest of the playoffs, not get fixated on a little bit of bad luck here or there, but kind of try to, you know, work the problem, create their own, and, you know, not get too flustered by it. Yeah, I mean, that's been... That's like the big difference, I guess, this year, or, or what a lot of people would say is the big difference from at least a, a mainstream mentality is this this year's team maybe is a bit um, more mentally strong. I mean, you saw guys last year who got their heads down like Kuznetsov, and he had a great first-round series. I thought he was arguably the most dangerous capital, even though he, he didn't have the most points in the series or anything, but he was really solid and did a great job creating chances. Um, so I was happy with that, and and I know other people were as well. But Isabel, um, you know, the big thing going into the series was going to be the Leafs are a fast team. Um, how did you think the Capitals matched that as the series when it went on? Yeah, they got better and better. At first, like you could tell, it was creating some problems. Um, especially, you know, when you went into the series, you thought, all right, forwards probably pretty even. Um, goaltending, maybe you give a little bit of an edge to Holby, but Anderson's really good too, so who knows. But to me, like, the clear-cut advantage was supposed to be defense, um, that the Capitals' back end was, like, significantly better than uh, Toronto's. Like, I think Taylor Torney could, like, play significant minutes on Toronto's <laughs> back end. Yeah. And that's not, like, a dig at Taylor Torney. I think he's, like, actually a pretty good player. But it's just saying, like, how much deeper the Caps are than Toronto. Um, and, yeah, I, I, it looked kind of bad at first there because Toronto was fast and they could get, you know, their players on the four check really quickly and kind of cause a lot of headaches. They were dumping pucks in soft and then beating the caps to those races. And um, the breakouts were really sloppy. And it's it, it sort of, I thought after maybe game three, it, it really kind of fixed itself type of thing where I think it was Holpe who talked to a few of the defensemen and, um, said he was going to try to maybe help them out a little bit more, play the puck in the trapezoid and move it to them, kind of help out with, you know, that really annoying four-track that Toronto has. And they just sort of figured out as it went on. I thought the last two games, um, I know everybody likes to see the Caps score four or five goals or whatever, but to me, they always look more comfortable. I think they are more comfortable when they're playing kind of games like five and six, where it's a 1-1 game at some point. Um I think they're in a better, they feel better when it's scoring, but they're kind of playing more structured. And um, I think that's more to their identity than anything else. So uh, certainly game six, it started bad again, but 
um, and it looked sloppy at times, but I think just as the series went on in general, they kind of figured out the speed thing, and that certainly bodes well going into the second round where they're going to have to play kind of a similar team um, like Pittsburgh. And Toronto did some things that Pittsburgh does where they kind of protect their defense, which is maybe sort of a weakness on paper, by just chipping pucks out, you know, moving the puck out quickly so that, you know, their D aren't being kind of exposed too much, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, you wrote an article on Monday about how the capital season has basically been one big build up to this Penguin series. That was the title of the piece. Um, so I mean, you had, you had. I mean, it's what it was. I mean, uh, all the fans have been talking about it the whole the whole year. It's always been this is going to be the big hurdle. I mean, obviously, no one wants it to be happening in the second round. That's a flaw in the NHL's playoff format. But um, I mean, here it is. They had the run against the Maple Leaf speed, and you are you kind of got ahead of it here and we're already talking about how that might bode well for the for the next round against the penguins but um what, what are your preliminary thoughts on the series i mean are the capitals going to be at an advantage for having played six games and having you know maybe a bit more momentum carrying over than the penguins who've had some more time off maybe i mean that's when you look at pittsburgh they certainly needed the break because they have injuries and um, you know, they're getting guys like Carl Hagelin kind of healthy now. And so for them, that was a good thing for the Penguins. I think for the Caps, they have always played better when they're playing regularly. Um, you look at the record when they have like just one day in between games, that's when they're at their best. And you look at the history of coming out of a bye week or, you know, coming out of the all-star break, they're just not as good. Um, so I think, you know, these couple days here are going to be good for the Capitals either way because um, they have their own kind of bodies banged up that, you know, they could use a little bit of rest and kind of regroup from the Maple Leaf series. But I don't think it would have been good for them either to have too long of a break. Like if they have, got, you know, hypothetically, if they had gotten rid of the Leafs in like four games and Pittsburgh played a seven-game series, I think that would have been almost too long to wait. Um, so I think, you know, that worked out maybe for both teams, but it's sort of harder to tell there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it could go either way. Um, I mean, the Penguins have, I mean, as you said, there's some be- some big injuries with Hagelin. I mean, Latang's not going to come back, so that's going to be a huge factor uh, for this series because he was such a big factor in last year's playoffs. I mean, the Penguins don't really have a guy anymore on the back end, or at least in my mind. I mean, before, you, when you look at Latang, he's a top-five defenseman in the league. Um, who do you see as being the biggest threat for the Penguins on their back end? Um, who's going to kind of threaten the Capitals and with that great breakout pass that we saw so much in the playoffs last year? Yeah, it's hard because they're doing a smart thing, which is where they're kind of doing this whole like defense by committee. You look at the minutes their D-men played in the first round, it was all like 1940 to like 2150. I mean, they spread it super even. Um, which is good. I mean, the Caps want to do something close to that. They don't do it quite that even, but um, certainly I think the Penguins are used to playing without Latang. He's been injured a lot throughout his career, and specifically this season he missed half the year. And I know he played a really big part in you know their success last season, but at this point I think they sort of know how to play with him, and they've done the right things, and they made the right moves to kind of maybe protect themselves a little bit, getting Hainsey, even a year ago, getting Daly. Um, but, you know, the guy who seems to have had the most 
kind of impressive season is Schultz, um, who I don't think anybody expected. But you look at his number, he's got like 12 goals and, you know, 30 or 40 assists or something like that, um, which surprised me because he's not really a guy you hear about. Um, but he had 50-plus points, and uh, I think he's a power play guy for them, and certainly he can move the puck. So, And I remember being really impressed with Daly a year ago. Um, I know he's coming back from injury, you know, towards the end of the regular season, but they have him on a pair with Mata, and those two guys are good. Um, they can both move the puck. So I, I think, you know, that defense is going to be just fine. It's not quite as dangerous with Latang, but, um, you know, they're still some good guys back there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's you can't win the Stanley Cup with only one guy in the back end, but Pittsburgh did a great job last year of kind of showing how a good system and having the right pieces in place throughout the lineup can lead to, to success. And, I mean, in your article you talk a little bit about how the Capitals, you know, made some tweaks to try to make it so that they would match up better against Pittsburgh this year. Um, after the first round, what are your thoughts on how those tweaks are going to look? I mean, do you think Lars Eller's got what it takes to really be the linchpin for that third line to be productive in this uh, upcoming series with Pittsburgh? Yeah, I thought he had some really, really good moments. Um, like, I thought game six, that third line looked dangerous a mm. lot of the time. Um, you know, you probably want to see a little bit more production, and it's great that, like, Tom Wilson's, like, gotten hot out of nowhere. And two of those goals did come, like, even strength on a third line. Yeah. Which is great. And, like, directly created by, like, Lars Eller, one of them, and the other um, kind of Burakovsky set up a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see kind of Burakovsky score because he can be really streaky. Mm-hmm. Um, good or bad <laughs> is what we've seen. That he can either go cold for like a long period of time, or he can get like really, really hot. Um, so I think if he gets like one or two, then that's going to bode really well for the Capitals because when he's feeling it, he's really, really dangerous, and he's a matchup problem on a third line. He's going to get a little bit easier competition. Um, he's got a lot of speed, which bodes well for the series. Um, and like I said, I think Eller, to me, he stood out more positively than he did negatively. I mean, I think of like a couple of mistakes, uh, the Nylander goal that tied the game, um, game three, yeah. he kind of messed up there. And then also the penalty um, that he probably couldn't take at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, but like by and large, I thought he looked really good. And his reputation coming from Montreal was that he was sort of, you know, sometimes he was a little up and down during the regular season, but everyone I talked to from Montreal just raved about how much of a playoff performer he was. And they even said at the time, like, I don't think the Caps even care that, it, you know, if he's amazingly productive during the regular season. They have enough guys who are going to score. Um, what they need is a guy who's going to kind of do some things in the postseason you know, that was the whole reason this trade was made, was that they needed a third line that could match up with Benino's line. And right now the Benino line has Shiri on it, who scored 23 goals during the regular season. Um, so certainly, uh, you know, the, the Caps kind of need that third line to get going. It's top-heavy isn't going to work in this series. Um, and, I, you know, even... Trot's going to start rolling nine forwards at some point in that Maple Leaf series. I wouldn't mind seeing him maybe try to balance it out a little bit more. Um, 
with Brett Conley perhaps not playing six minutes. Um, but, again, if that's what works, then that's what works. I, I think against the Maple Leafs, it's sort of like he did what he had to do. Um, but, yeah, they, they're going to need that depth to come through, and they made all the right moves for it to be there. It's just now some of those guys need to kind of produce. Yeah, you know, I was when I'm watching it, I thought Burt Cosby looked good. He had a lot of chances. I looked at the, you know... Especially game six. He, yeah. He was really... He got robbed by Freddie Glove Anderson a few times. Oh, and he was looking to shoot a lot. <laughs> I mean, it was great. Yeah. Um, I thought that was probably the best game for that line, and I'm not going to lie, I wasn't, you know, over the moon when they put Wilson up there with uh, with those two guys, and, I mean, I was wrong. Uh, I think he's looked good there. Um, I'm happy with, I mean, Wilson's doing, I, I think, the best I've ever seen him do with retaining possession in the offensive zone. That's usually something that I've thought he's struggled with in the past. And here, um, you know, the, touch, the puck hits his stick, and he's he's keeping it. He's able to hold it along the boards, and he's been a really helpful part of that cycle game. I know originally they kind of moved him up to try to get that line away from that, get them shooting a bit more, but they've kind of been able to maintain that and still get a lot of pucks on the net. Uh, they just got to start scoring. And uh, Burkowski's had some success against Pittsburgh in his career, so hopefully it will translate right. into the playoffs. Um, but, Isabel, I mean, i, I got to ask about Carl Alsner. Um, and really, because, you know, all the, our listeners like hearing about Nate Schmidt. Um, even if Alsner's healthy, do you think he is a good person to put back in a series against a speedy Pittsburgh team? Yeah, this is going to be complicated because, to me, there's not an obvious person to take out. Um, I think they like what Brooks Orpik brings, uh, not just veteran leadership, poise, whatever. Yes, I mean, they do like those things from him, um, and we've talked about that on here. But I think also they like the physical element um, that, you know, he kind of, you know, they, he brings something different that you can't, they don't want to always counter speed with speed, that they want to kind of bring a little bit of an edge, too. And he has that. They don't have a lot of that from their blue line. Um, you know, sometimes you'll see, like, Orlov make, you know, one of his beautiful open ice hits because he's underrated in doing that. <laughs> or Niskanen, even. But Orpik is the guy who kind of consistently does it. And I think um, he didn't have the best series against the Maple Leafs, but I did think he started to play better towards the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly... I don't know if they'll do this, but I could see them going 7-D. Um, and that was something I asked Barry Trotz if they would consider it. And he said they would. And I don't know if he was just, you know, saying things just to say things, which is what happens in the playoffs. <laughs> but, um, you know, Brett Conley's playing like five minutes a game right now. Um, and he doesn't play on any special teams. And I thought Brett was good during the regular season, but yeah. if Barry's not going to play him... Um, you know, at least Alger has a lot of value as a penalty kill guy. Um, and, you know, he is kind of good at tying up sticks and whatnot in front of the net. I mean, I remember sort of asking um, Todd Reardon, you know, the Caps associate coach, about, you know, that Alger, Carlson pair, and why they still kind of trusted them with top matchups. And one of the rationales was that those guys do get the top competition and they know that, you know, the advanced analytics, the possession numbers, they don't favor them. But if you can sort of get through your shifts, which those guys have, um, because they're like plus 20 or whatever during the regular season, then it frees up, you know, Niskanen, Orlov, and Orphic Shattenkirk 
kind of go against easier competition and kind of make things happen. Um, and that was sort of the way they viewed it for a while. I think Niskin and Orlov are now basically the top pair. Yeah, they, um, they were so There's good. really, like, no going back from that. <laughs> um, and it's how it should be. Those guys are really good together. I think everyone's known, and the coaching staff has known, that they are the best pair on the team. And they were trying to maybe sort of help them out by giving them, like, the second best competition and giving Alsner and Carlson, like, the very best. Um, and but I think the way Nisku Norlov handled Matthew's line, um, it just sort of maybe kind of reinforced to everyone that that's what they should be doing and they can do it really well. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know how they're going to handle Crosby. If they'll give it to those two, they might. Um, either way, if they're not getting Crosby, they're getting, like, Malkin. There's really, like, no easy matchup there. But your poison. Um, uh, yeah, so I don't know, I guess, is my long-winded answer. I cannot see Nate Schmidt getting out of the lineup. I think he is going to stay in. Um, I just don't know what they're going to do to get Alzner in, if they're going to do something to get Alzner in, if they're going to go 7-D. I think that's all to be resolved in the next few days because Alzner certainly seems like he's very, very close to playing. I wonder if he was ready already, but we, you don't have to talk about that too much. But why do you think Brett Connolly has kind of fallen out of favor with the coaching staff? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I don't know that he was ever like in really favor. in all that much favor. <laughs> he just he? scored a I lot. Mean, of, he just scored a lot of goals. <laughs> they didn't play him a lot, but he was scoring. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, we were talking about a guy who was like scratched for like the first half of the season, right? Um, and then when he was in and he was scoring, um, even still, that line you know wasn't getting a ton of ice time. Um, so I don't know. Is I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, maybe, you know, Trotz doesn't trust him defensively, and that's a really big deal for Trotz. But, um, yeah, certainly he didn't like something that he was bringing um, in those first few games that he's pretty evidently in the doghouse when you're getting, like, you know, six to ten shifts a night. And, um, I mean, he got, like, two shifts in the third period in game six. So, that's pretty telling. And the thing is, like, when it's going to get time on the penalty kill, Beagle ends up with, like, a million shifts because yeah. he takes, like, all these defensive zone draws with Kuznetsov or with Eller. But there were points in that game where, in the past two games, really, where Barry was throwing out a line with Eller, Beagle, and Winnick. Um, so I think he just trusts those guys more. Um, and that's, I don't know, that is what it is. There's no... When we asked Barry about Connolly, he just sort of said he understands and he'll be ready when it's his time, whatever that means. So that's where we're at. <laughs> so ne- next season when he's playing somewhere else, uh, okay. I, 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 I reading <laughs> between the lines. Agent, yeah, I know. So, yeah, he, well, I mean, they should keep him in my mind. He's been he's been he's been good. I mean, they're not paying him a lot of money. He can perform. You gotta those kind of guys are valuable, especially when you're a salary cap uh, tight team like the Capitals are. So. Uh, yeah. We'll see how that goes there, but uh, I agree with you 100%. I don't know how the Capitals could take Schmidt out of the lineup. I think he's been great. Um, again, the Niskan and Orlov pairing, I mean, I could talk about them for hours. I mean, they've been amazing. Yeah, me too. They're I mean, amazing. That was, uh, I mean, I know you've written about it. We've talked about it. The two of us have talked about it. I've talked about it with everybody else. Orlov's growth this year has been the most impressive thing for the Capitals. And, uh, I mean, it's, unfortunately, it's going to lead to a, probably a pretty nice contract for him, but that's 
really been fantastic. He deserves it. He does deserve it. And I'm uh, always happy to see you guys get paid. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's give maybe and take. I'm like a journalist who's like interested in getting paid too sometimes, but <laughs> um, but no, I mean when you talk to other like players and coaches about him, um, like everybody kind of raised about him. I was even talking to Chris Johnson um, at Sportsnet, and I remember after the first game, he kind of came to me. He's like, "Oh my god, that Niskan Orlov pair is amazing." I was like, "Oh yeah, man! Like I've seen it for three quarters of the season." He was like, those guys like, came out of nowhere to me. Um, and, I mean, they're that, like, noticeably good. Um, you see, you know, when Orlov is, like, in a one-on-one situation against a guy like, you know, Nylander or something like that, how well he kind of handles himself and that he's doing the right things. And certainly I think Niskanen has been really good for him. Um, and Niskanen was the guy who wanted to play for him. Um, I mean, before the season when they were talking about kind of getting a top four and moving Orlov into it and moving Brooks down. And Niskanen realized, like, hey, he's going to need a new partner. He went to Reardon and said, like, I would love to play with him. Because um, I think he always kind of saw what, uh, you know, all of us did in spurts, but um, there was just kind of the flashes of inconsistency there. And the good thing about the more minutes and, as you mentioned, I story wrote about this, is that he doesn't feel like he has to force anything. He knows he's going to get a shift. He knows he's going to get his ice time. He's not trying to make an impression in the 13 minutes he gets tonight, but rather he um, is just kind of playing steadier. Uh, the guy who was like called you know, a high-event player because things were all over the place is now, like I think, really, really, really steady, which is good news for the Cavs because they're going to be able to keep him and hopefully keep him for a long time. I'd love to see him be part of this Washington uh, lineup for, for years to come. I mean, uh, who knows how many years the Caps have left being super competitive, but Orlov's definitely going to be a valuable piece of whatever uh, they try to do in the future. So, Isabel, um, when we talk a little bit about the Penguins here, you, you mentioned it earlier uh, about you know picking your own poison, whether you're matched up against Crosby, or if you're not with Crosby, you're against Malkin. If you're not against Malkin, uh, depending on how the Penguins are, you might still be playing Kessel or, or something like that. What do you think the Capitals are going to do? Uh, you just said you weren't sure yet defensively, but do you think they're going to go for that power versus power matchup? Or are we going to see Baxter matching up against Crosby? Yeah, I think so. Baxter did a really good job against them last year. Um, I mean, that was the thing that Malkin and Crosby didn't really do a whole lot in that series. Um, they kind of, it seemed like all the top players sort of canceled each other out. And I could see, you know, Kuznetsov getting Malkin. Um, I think Trotz and everybody was really happy with how Kuznetsov handled the Matthews matchup because um, he did get it basically throughout the whole series. And, um, you know, you ask Kuznetsov about it and he says, like, things that make, you know, all advanced statisticians, like, super happy, where he's like, if I play offense, like, I don't have to defend. Um, if I have the puck the whole time, he's never going to get it. Best quotes. Um, Love that. That's, that's golden. <laughs> and, like, so he's, you know, that's that's his whole mindset, is, like, I'm just going to get the puck, and I'm going to watch him, like, fall over himself trying to get it off me, and I'm just going to hold on to it, and that's how I'm going to frustrate them. And, obviously, Matthew's Still scored. He's a really, really good player. Um, but by kind of putting Kuznetsov on that line, because Kuznetsov's line scored too, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Backstrom could kind of take the hard defensive matchup, which 
for the Leafs, they put Kadri against, you know, all the tough um, competition. Um, and I thought that line did pretty well against Kadri at times. So, I mean, they got what they wanted out of that. Um, I think if, you know, Matthews really worked Kuznetsov, it would have kind of been a problem. But it was pretty even. Um, and that kind of allowed the top line to do some things that, because then at home, Barry was kind of putting Backstrom against Bozak at times, um, which the Bozak line was probably the weak link for the Maple Leafs in that series. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see them going just head-to-head. Um, Eller, Benino, um, go Backstrom versus Crosby, and then Kuznetsov versus Malkin and see what happens. But And that would be a lot of fun because we all know how much Justin Williamson is getting Malkin like each other. Yeah, I mean, if one of them throwing each other down behind the net, I mean, <laughs> it gets a little gets a little rowdy with those guys. I think they actually still show that clip on the big board at the Verizon Center before the game. They hate each other. Yeah. Like, <laughs> after that first game, Malkin said something like, um, "Yeah, he and I, we have like a thing. Like, I don't know, like they just don't like each other." He, I mean, because he, they one time like had a slap fight that was like a fake. Like, I don't know, it wasn't even like a real fight. Um, there's some, like, weird bad blood there. Um, so I'm excited to see that, hopefully, those two go against each other. And Kuznetsov and, you know, the Battle of the Evgenies, I mean, they like each other. They're obviously friends from the Russian national team, so that would be amusing, too. I mean, I'm happy with seeing the Capitals kind of go with anything. Um, but based upon everything you just said, and you kind of touched on it earlier, um, the third line, I think, is going to be the big kicker for this series. Um so I mean, you've already talked about it. It's got. To, we're going to have to see more production from Burakovsky, Eller, and, and I mean, if Williams, not Williams, if Wilson can produce like he did last round again, the Capitals should be in great shape. Uh, especially if the Capitals are able to neutralize Crosby like they did last year. Yeah, I mean, they really need like a goal from him, right? I mean, yeah. when you look at everybody talks about um, how the Benino line like killed the Capitals last year. Yes, it did. Um, but, I mean, they got, I think, four or five even strength goals from them. Um, and then two from, like, the Cullen line. And that was with Kuznetsov, like, basically absent in that series. So if you assume, like, Kuznetsov is going to be better this time around and that line will produce um, between Williams and Johansson and everything else, I mean, if they could get, you know that Ovechkin's going to do his thing, you know the top line's going to do its thing. Those players are good, and Oshie especially seems to, like, really play well against Pittsburgh. Um, But, you know, if you get, like, a goal from Wilson, you get a goal from Burakovsky or two, and then, you know, a random goal from, like, Daniel Winnick, like, you're probably fine. That's how close these series are. That sometimes, at the end of a series, we're looking at it, and it was decided by, like, two goals the whole series was I mean, that's the maple leaf series right there yeah um and so that's really we're not talking about anything crazy they don't those guys don't need to score every night they just need to score sometimes um they can't go dry kind of what they did last year i think that's the big thing you know, I think it's going to be important to get that diversified scoring. I mean, I don't think the Capitals are going to be able to shut down Crosby like they did last year. I mean, that that's, I mean, that that was pretty impressive. Um, no matter how good the Caps are defensively, it's really hard to keep guys that are that good down. Um, special teams might be big too. So, 
there's going to be a lot to go on. I mean, Isabel, we've kind of talked, I mean, we've been on for 30 minutes now, and I know you're a really busy person, so um, do, you, do you have any thoughts on the Holtby versus Flurry matchup, since it looks like Murray's not going to be ready to go? Yeah, I mean, Flurry's a veteran goaltender. He's been in a spot before. Um, I think the first round was really good for Braden in that he obviously didn't have his best stuff early on. I think everybody kind of saw that. Obviously, a lot of goals weren't his fault. They were fluky whatever, um, but there was just moments where you looked at him and he didn't look quite right. Like, he looked a little erratic. Usually he's very kind of calm back there, and his movements are sort of more, you know, nothing's really too noticeable. Um, you know, I remember talking to Devin Dubnik one time, and he said, like, you know I'm playing well when I barely move. Um, <laughs> so, um, and I think it's kind of like Holby, too, that he just kind of puts himself in the right position and lets yeah. bounce off him. Um, so I think because of that, you saw his best two games were his last two. I think he's going to be going into this Pittsburgh game in a really good place. Um, and I, cause Holby stole like the first two periods of that game, um, on Sunday night, game six. Mm-hmm. So I, I give the edge to Holby cause I think he's, Usually, whenever he has like a little bit of a tough stretch, he bounces back, and it's kind of ridiculous how well he does after that. Um, and last year, he also, you know, we didn't know at the time, but he wasn't healthy. So I, I think he's going to be really good. Um, and as I said, the Caps are, they like playing those low-scoring games more than anything else, and that means he's got to kind of hold up his end of the bargain to that. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I was a little concerned by Hopi's play early in the series. Um the he looked like he was fighting the puck. I mean, you, you make a great point about looking like he was chasing, uh, or maybe not chasing, but when he's moving a lot, it's like he isn't doing a isn't doing his usual great job reading the play, and um, it just felt like he did a way better job as the series went along. He wasn't, you know, making any desperation saves for the most part, uh, except for that one he had to make, I guess, uh, in Game Six with with his stick when uh, I believe Kadri yeah. tried to pank it in, but. Um, I think the Penguins are going to try to shoot a lot um, from down near the goal line. Um, I believe Holpe said something about how you know the league's finally figuring out how hard it is for players to stop those or for goalies to stop those shots. But um, I mean, recently it just looks like they're doing it a lot, especially on Holpe. Um, and again, it was kind of, you know fluky, make your own luck or, or whatnot. But those plays did lead to a lot of goals for Toronto. I mean, even in Game One, the the puck that hit off the uh, the bar popped right out, and uh, I believe it was Marner put that away. So the hope's got to be that the Capitals and Holpe can keep the score low um, and hope that you know Pittsburgh doesn't do as good of a job making their own luck as uh, Toronto did recently. So, uh, Isabel, thanks a lot for your time. I know it's, um, it's a busy time of year for you, and you don't get a lot of time off, so today was a big day. Yeah, I'm going to nap for like 12 hours now. <laughs> nap, sleep, you know, it's, it's 12 hours. But thanks again for coming on, and uh, on behalf of the, well, I guess just me tonight, thanks for listening to Japers Rink Radio. Welcome to the second half of our, uh, 
I guess this is our preview episode. Um, you just heard Isabel Krasudian of the Washington Post, and now I'm really pleased to be joined by Ryan Wilson at Gunner Stall on, on Twitter, who writes for Hockey Buzz, uh, mainly about the Penguins, but you know he's got a lot of great stuff out there. Uh, Ryan, thanks for taking the time to join me today. Not a problem at all. Thanks for having me. I mean, it's great to have some external perspective i mean we're, we're in our nice little washington bubble and it's just nice to see how the you know the rest of america is so ryan you get you got to tell me um what's going on here with the penguins uh they they looked like they made easy work of the jackets but the possession numbers weren't quite quite there but the scoring chance numbers looked good um is this the kind of case for the penguins all year or, or what yeah i think so i think last year they were buzzsaw one of the best possession teams in the league. They were very good defensively. They were also very healthy. And this year, even throughout the regular season when they had Latang, they were a bottom 10 team in suppressing shots. And that was a big change from when Mike Sullivan first came in. So they've been trading chances all season long. But the good news for them, they have some of the most cool players in the league if you're going to trade chances with another team. I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at that roster, you've got, it's a plethora of offensive talent. I mean, you and I were just talking off the air. It's um, The Capitals went from the Maple Leafs, who are fast and have a lot of good forwards, to uh, the Penguins, who are fast and have a lot of excellent, you know, best-in-the-world forwards. So it's not going to get easier for Washington on the forward front. So how, I mean, last year the Capitals did a pretty good job of shutting down Crosby in the playoffs. I mean, he I don't, he didn't have any goals, and I think all of his points were secondary in that six-game series. Um, I mean, what's different this year that's going to uh, enable Crosby to really get free and get big production against the Capitals? Um, I don't know if it necessarily anything different this year that will allow him to uh, get free and do more. Uh, last year, it wasn't just Crosby, it was Malkin. I believe they both mm-hmm. only combined for four points that series. It was the HBK line that uh, I think... But, uh, Haglin, they did all who, the damage. It, yeah, Haglin, who may be back soon. We don't, uh, we don't have a timetable specifically. He had seven even strength points. Benino had six. I think Kessel had four or five. Uh, and on top of the power play stuff. So that line really drove... The Capitals crazy last year. This year, HBK isn't a thing. Haglin's out, but even when it was, <clears throat> did not meet the postseason excellence that they saw the year before. Um, as far as Crosby goes, the Sheary Crosby Gensel line is awesome. I think it's one of the better lines in the league. However, I don't think it's going to be a line this series, at least to start. I think Mike Sullivan pulled um, Sheary off that line and put him with Benino and scott wilson on the third line and bumped up hornquist so yeah so what do you i mean what do you think about that do you think that's advantageous for washington or i mean everything i saw was that as you said that that young crosby with the two young kids was just tearing it up in that first round series so here's the thing i don't think it's a coincidence that Crosby got the Rocket Richard when Hornquist got dropped from his line. And I don't quite want to come off as beating up on Hornquist, but he has a certain skill set, and then there are certain skills he just doesn't have. And in passing and playmakings, probably not on the list of things he does extremely well. Sheary is at least adequate, average, or slightly above average, and Gensel's very good at that. So Sid got more looks for himself with the kids. The problem is, 
Hornquist was re- is really bad with Benino. They're at like 44% possession this year when they're together. So I think what Mike Sullivan's trying to do is make Hornquist productive again with Sid, which, you know, it has been in the past, and then hoping that Shiri's speed and skill, which I think lends itself to playing better with more people than potentially Hornquist, who has that certain niche that he does. Yeah, I mean, he does a great job getting under the Capitals player's <laughs> skin. I mean, he's obviously a more offensively gifted player than a guy like Leo Komarov, but he, I mean, that's kind of the role he plays on the Penguins, right? Yeah, he's, um, although Leo probably handles the puck a little bit better. Uh, Hornquist is a, is a bulldog. He's going to, uh, when once in the offensive zone, he's, what I just said about his lack of passing skill, what he does do is he creates space for others just by being a wrecking ball. And it creates, you know, as far as Sid goes, he does not need much room to spin off, curl, create time, and then hit somebody else for a nice play or or do something for himself. So with Hornquist being promoted, he's certainly going to take that to heart because he has been down on the third line for uh, the last stretch of the regular season. So I'm pretty sure he'll be emotional, ready to go, and, and playing that role that you spoke of to, to kind of irritate the Capitals. Early indications are the Capitals are going to use um, the first line of Backstrom, Ovechkin, and Oshie to go power versus power against uh, Crosby. Uh, I, I mean, that's what they did last year, and it worked out so well. Um, but that's going to leave Kuznetsov matched up with Malkin. Um, how do you think that matchup's going to go? The Kuznetsov one, yeah. Um, certainly. Who who else is with uh, Kuz? Uh, Johansson and Williams. Oh, the Corsi God's on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot of good players there. It's a small sample. You really could see it swing either way. But let me just say, Evgeny Malkin, after being a month off, just put up 11 points in five games. <laughs> so it, he's starting to feel it. And I don't think there's too many people that win matchups against Malkin when he's kind of uh, Gino Machino. But uh, I don't disagree with the Capitals trying to play strength for strength because, as far as I see it, Pittsburgh's biggest strength is their forwards. Capitals are one of the few teams that can match them for every line, especially with Haglin out and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, the Capitals, when they were eliminated last year, felt a need to create a real top nine. And they went out and acquired Lars Eller um, right at the draft. Uh, That line was not super productive in the first round, but there's a lot of talent there. Uh, Eller and Burakovsky have been a dominant possession duo all year, um, regardless of winger. It was largely with Brett Connolly, but um, Tom Wilson made an appearance and actually produced with that duo uh, against Toronto. Um, I mean, what do you think about that combination? I don't know how much you've really seen them, but do you... It's an interesting one, because you have Burakovsky, who's very skilled. The the last time I checked, well above 2.0 points per 60 at even Mm -hmm. strength, which is top-level stuff. Lars Eller, uh, certainly a serviceable um, bottom six center, is what I would say. I guess Tom Wilson's the wild card. (laughs) I, I noticed his possession wasn't miserable, but his offense was like one point two six or something around there and uh, any offense you get from him is kind of a, a bonus i guess mm-hmm. but the quality of teammate being there maybe maybe get it gets lifted up i mean that's what the hope's always been with tom wilson um 
he looked better in this last series than I remember seeing him play uh, in his time in Washington. Talk about a small sample size warning. But uh, he was doing a better job retaining possession of the puck. Because my biggest complaint about Wilson, uh, at least in the offensive zone, is generally possessions die on his stick. And they weren't really doing that in that series. And I think playing with Eller and Burakovsky might have helped him with that. And as you said, I mean, I, I really don't have the most recent stats in front of me, but during the regular season, at one point Burakovsky was solidly in the top 25 for even strength production. He, he really was having a great year. He probably dipped down a little bit at the end. He was not producing like he was early in the season. But the Capitals are trying to match that Pittsburgh depth. Um, do you think they accomplished that with the moves that they made? Yeah, I think uh, when you combine that with, uh, like Pittsburgh's top nine last year was why they're they're chasing that that model. Pittsburgh doesn't have that this year, so I think Washington actually is kind of better slotted, and I think the choices that they made um, were were pretty good. I I really like the the Capitals lineup this year, and, and I did I did pick them to win the Stanley Cup this year, so um, I do think highly of the Capitals. I mean, I love hearing anyone thinks highly of the Capitals. I mean, that, that <laughs> makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> oh, um, trust me, I get the nervousness of it all and, and all the past history with Pittsburgh-Washington, but um, it, it doesn't matter. The, the, those This team wasn't those teams. Like They have new players, uh, different lines, uh, it's. I know from fandom point of view, it's easy to, oh, the Capitals are losers, they don't ever get it done, and it's like, well, you know what, this group's never had a crack at it, so. Yeah, you know, the only thing, the only counter-argument that I ever think of is the fans are still the fans. The, oh, they are. They so, are. so, it might, because, you know, you can change ownership, you change general manager, you change coaches, you get a whole different set of players over the years. But the fans, like, it builds up with them. And eventually, you know, you get over the, the hump one time, and then that feeling of inadequacy will go away. And I think, it would, you know, it will be good for the whole city of D.C. to have a, a winner again. But um, overall, my only thought on that is that Caps fans, I mean, you saw how fast the panic set in against the Maple Leafs. I mean, you probably saw articles... You know, there was the, the screaming face with a Capitals jersey on, panic, underwords. Um, <laughs> it doesn't take yeah, a I lot. Didn't, I didn't think they were playing that bad. Yeah, I mean... To be honest. They played even, and I think that was a little concerning. Um, yeah, but but here's, here's why even's good for the Capitals. Like the Penguins, they have some top-end guys. <clears throat> if you want to trade chances with them, so be it. They have the best goal scorer probably of all time. I, I hold um, Alex and Mario in the same kind of um, echelon with just, they're, they're awesome. Yeah. And, you know, Backstrom he never gets enough credit for how good he is, in my opinion. And and you still got other guys. And Justin Williams, I don't care what he did in the regular season. He's going to score goals in the playoffs for <laughs> in important moments because that's just what he does, apparently. Yeah, he had so. a, that big that big goal in Game Five for Washington in overtime. So he uh, he's been great. But I mean, you just talked about it. I mean, it, it's okay to play even when you have that great star talent, and um, actually, that leads 
right into my question, my next question for you about goaltending, because the Capitals think they're really set <laughs> in net with Braden Holpe. Um, I know you'd like to see Matt Murray back for the Penguins, but what do you think about Marc-Andre Fleury? Is he up to the task to deal with Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, all these high-powered Washington forwards? I don't know what day is it. <laughs> I, that's, that is, it, that's why it's a lot of Penguins fans that, and, and other people that follow the Penguins, it, it's tough to come to grips with Marc-Andre Fleury as a player because his variance, he's so volatile. Like, he'll have an average save percentage on any given year, but how he gets there is just, <laughs> you know? The one year he had 10 shutouts, and everybody's like, oh, he had a great year. He was league average for even strength save percentage. So <laughs> riddle me this. How does he have 10 shutouts and he's league average? Well, something has to be yanking it in the other direction. So the lows must have been as high as the – you get what I'm saying? Yeah, completely. Against the Blue Jackets, he had three very good games. They all happened to be at home. And the two road games were a complete nightmare. And usually I'm not a big fan of the road home split stat kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I did look at it for the season, and there was a very significant gap between his home and road stats for the entire year as well. So I don't know what that's all about, but I do know that the Capitals have home ice advantage. So, I mean, the, like, the hope for the Capitals is that they can get it done at home. Um, it, it'd be huge for them to obviously win the first two games. Uh, you know, they did that against Pittsburgh in 2009, and we both know how that ended up. But um, maybe this time's different, and Fleury won't make that save on Ovechkin on the breakaway in Game 7 to start. And uh, it's a different storybook ending. But, Ryan, I want to get your opinion here on the Penguins' defense. I mean, without Chris Letang, do you think they have what it takes uh, to get you know, over the hump. I mean, you said their possession numbers weren't even that good with Latang. Um, and they were good with him on the ice. Yeah, with him on the as ice. As a team, it still wasn't great compared to last year. So, um, yeah. I, the hump, I assume, is Washington because I don't really <laughs> think that, God, this bracket system, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think whoever wins this series, I don't want to say they have a free pass to, to the Stanley Cup final because hockey... Uh, this kind of ties into the, what we were talking about before and being nervous as a Capitals fan right now, even though you have a great team. Hockey's the sport where luck plays in a lot more than others, unfortunately. You can have the best laid plans, but the bounces of the pucks and injury, like there's a lot going on. So um, as far as the Penguins' defense, it's just kind of a lot of vanilla. Outside of Justin Schultz, who would ever said that? Um, Justin Schultz has been very good for them this mm -hmm. year. Um, Brian Dumoulin has not been as good as he was, but he doesn't really add much offense as it is. Ian Cole, not very offensive. Ali Mata has been hurt for a long time with, you know, shoulder surgeries, cancer, mumps, you name it. That poor guy's gone through a lot. But he hasn't quite been the same player since he was partnered with a certain capital in a bottom-pairing role. Uh, when him and Niskanen were playing together, they were in a bottom-pairing role, and they were really good. Well, I don't think people realized how good Matt Niskanen is or was. So when, that, when he got elevated into a top-four role and didn't quite have Niskanen there with him, his numbers dropped, possessionally. And then recently, he's always maintained good offense, but that hasn't been the case. 
Trevor Daly's regressed to what he's always been, a miserable possession player that skates well and can sometimes make offensive plays. So, I don't know, man. Uh, no Latang is it, – it's been – that was a tough one. I mean, you lose your best defenseman, especially when it's someone of Latang's caliber. It's obviously going to hurt your team. Uh, the Capitals don't have anyone who I think is as good as Latang, but uh, Niskanen and Orlov have made a great top pairing for them. Um, and I, I hope to see them out against either Crosby or Malkin almost every shift that those guys are out there. I mean, obviously they can't play against both of them um, very often, but they were great the, the whole first round, and they've been great all season. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of throwing this back here, uh, going back to earlier in the conversation, because I'm a little curious. Um, you know, last year in the first round, the Rangers had such a high uh, Corsi percentage against the Penguins. Even after score adjustment, it was still pretty high. Um, and, and it was again this year, and you know, we talked a little about scoring chances and elite scoring that the Penguins have. But when I look at a lot of those goals, I thought Sergei Bobrovsky was was really bad. He was, he was, he awful. was horrendous. He he flurried them. <laughs> I mean, it, it really was bad. It, it was kind of like watching that Flyers Penguins series from a few years ago, but only one of the team's goalies realized it was kind of like a reenactment of that series because he was awful. But I'm glad you pointed that out because that's always been a hot button topic that 2011 12 Penguins team. I think they had like 60% possession that series. Oh, I don't blame the and, team. I mean, I just No, no. <laughs> no, people blame the team because they weren't quote unquote disciplined and it's like, "No, I think the 870 goaltender was the problem." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to overcome shoddy goaltending. Mm-hmm. Um, but so how do you think that Blue Jacket series was in terms of like you know how even was the series was it a like a true five gamer or, or do you think the Jackets kind of played well enough that it could have gone six or seven uh well I think if Bob played really well it would have gone longer just because shot volume benefited the Blue Jackets a lot like you can't give up goals if you're in the other end and even though maybe your shots aren't coming high danger when you're taking those shots, like I just said, they're not in your end. So it's a tough one because I thought Pittsburgh got outplayed for most of that series, but because they can transition with the players that they have, they have two of the very best of this modern generation. Sid and Gino went off that series and especially Gino. I mean, pretty much two points a game in the playoffs that's unheard of because this league hates players scoring goals. So <laughs> it was basically Sid, Gino, Phil did their thing. And and that's really all there was to it. I don't think that the other things really, I, I watched that series and it was just kind of like, all right, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to get through here, but it, it doesn't look great. And, large stretches of it and and that's concerning when you know capitals are up next and that's just not going to happen they didn't break out cleanly at all and that and that's where Latang's missed the most because he's a one-man controlled breakout and he plays 30 minutes a night so you're going to get a ton of that he's gone they couldn't even break it out against columbus uh cleanly with possession which um as we all know if you can't do that you're not going to get controlled entries you're not going to build your offense that way well you know, bad news, Washington's really good. It's not going to get any easier on that front. 
Yeah, I mean, the Capitals did a pretty good job pressuring uh, Toronto, especially late in the series, and all year. I mean, the Capitals, this was really their best possession year, um, I think, in the Barry Trotz era. It was just, they were doing great on both sides. They were a strong generation team. They were a, a really good shot suppression team. And the hope's going to be they're going to deny Pittsburgh the space to get out of their own zone cleanly. But, Ryan, I guess before I wrap this thing up, I just want to kind of get your broad thoughts on the series. We I went right away into all this detail. But, I mean, what are your general impressions? I mean, this it, you know it's more than just Ovi and Crosby now. But um, what do you think the oh, series yeah, is going to look way like? way bigger than that. Um, well, if Fleury can stay afloat, and by that I don't mean steal the series, I just mean league average maybe? The Penguins always have a puncher's chance if the stars get hot. Mm-hmm. If Haglin comes back, Mike Sullivan has some flexibility in that top nine that we complimented Washington for, we might be able to compliment Pittsburgh's top nine once again because that Haglin didn't have a great offensive year, but he's always a very good possession player. He's shown in the past he can get hot offensively. I think that's a huge piece. When he comes back, how far back are the Penguins of the Capitals? Are they ahead? What's the series looking like when he gets back? Um, Kunitz should be back. He did not play in round one. Uh, I, th- I still think he's a. He does things in the possession game that get unnoticed. He helps create the clean entries and exits, even though he might not um, finish the offensive chances off himself anymore like he used to. Uh, I, I just think, it, from my point of view, I, I think it's an uphill climb for Pittsburgh this year. I just really like the Capitals team. And let's be honest, last year the Capitals held their own against a, a monster Penguins team because I'm looking at um, Matt Murray's numbers from the series last year. He was 945 even strength save percentage and uh, 875 high danger. That's really good, like absurdly good. And if he was anywhere down from that, Washington may have won the series last year. Yeah, I mean, the uh, all those numbers came out right after the series. Um, I think Corey Schneider had tracked all the entries exits i mean we were still and we had all that high danger numbers and everything it was a really even series the capitals could have won it um i mean granted game six was a bit of a tire fire and the capitals were able to kind of fight back and force that game to go to overtime but i believe they were down by like three goals at some point in that in that contest it's kind of i've tried to block it out as the years gone on but the big game was that murray game where he, oh yeah the capitals crushed Pittsburgh that night and Murray made every single save pretty much or maybe he let in one I can't remember but game three I that think. was where the series turned really and yeah, can Flurry do that yeah he's 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 he can have those games but I would also argue any goalie that gets large samples in the NHL can have those games everyone can be Andrew Hammond for a little while it's it's just a the hamburglar will just uh but there's nothing stopping Holtby from just oh, being yeah. a monster this series. And if that happens, well, good night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Holtby looked really good in game five and six. Uh, he was really shaky early in the series. Um, he wasn't given up. Like, none of the goals were really his fault. But he just didn't look like his uh, steady self. Uh, chasing the puck a little bit. A lot of movement. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see Pittsburgh take a lot of shots. 
um, from below the goal line, just because mm-hmm. it worked out really well for Toronto. And Holtby went in the media and said something akin to, <laughs> goalies really struggle with those shots now, and I kind of read it as, well, you really struggle with those shots now. I don't see a lot of goals scored from beneath the goal line, but uh, Holtby was getting beat there. Uh, either, But it would take like a fluky bounce off the post or something, and go back in front. Uh, I don't know how much game six you saw, but Kadri tried to bank it off Holpe um, late in the game to get Toronto the win. It's it's going to be an interesting series, and I, I'm excited but also terribly nervous for it. So, I well, pre- that's kind of how it should be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, you know, I, I think it would be really big for Washington to get an early lead in the series and kind of avoid the panic threshold um, and I think the best thing for them would be to get scoring from that third line immediately. Because Burakovsky, only, I think only has one goal since he returned from injury late in the season. And he's a pretty streaky scorer. I mean, we say streaky scorings, you know, isn't really a thing. But he visibly plays better once he's gotten a little bit of production. So that's something that I'm going to look for. Uh, Ryan, can I get your X factor before I kind of, before we finish this thing? Uh, for each team or just? Uh, oh, I'd love to hear. Overall. I'd love to hear about what you think about each team. I think it's got to be Flurry for Pittsburgh, just because, um, for all the reasons that we said, uh, he can show great. He can show like the complete opposite of great. Um, so we'll see there. He they're going to sink or swim based on him. Uh, Capitals, I agree with you. Or actually, X Factor is just going to be can. The Capitals play in the neutral zone, prevent Penguins' transition from leaking into the series. Um, I know Jesse Marshall of the Pens blog put out a thing today that both teams play a a 1-2-2. It's a great piece. And um, I just think you have Niskanen, Carlson, and Shattenkirk on the ice at all times. And that's not to speak of Orlov and hopefully Schmidt, which I don't think we mentioned. Uh, I like him being in the lineup for his speed. You could really close the gap and shut down Pittsburgh's controlled entries. And if they can do that, I think they're going to win the possession battle anyways, but if they can stop transition of Pittsburgh and, and limit those rush chances that it doesn't matter who's in that because they're going to score a lot of them. I, I think they'll do really well. So, well, I think Pittsburgh is going to look to target Orpic each time he's on the ice. So it's going to be uh, not you know, not with hitting, but every controlled entry attempt. It's going to be, if, they, if they're able to kind of get through the neutral zone and really get to that portion where you're physically entering the zone and the Capitals only have a couple guys back, I, I can, they're going to go right around him. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that neutral zone play turns out. So, Ryan, thanks a lot for taking the time to come on. Um, Maybe we can have you on later in this series and talk about how uh, everything we've said is 100% correct and uh, the Capitals are looking great. Yeah, I had Minnesota in the finals. So yeah, Me too. That's... Me too. <laughs> uh, I, had a, the, uh, I mean, you can't predict Jake Allen. So No, goalies. They're SOBs. What are you going to do? Ruin everything. <laughs> well, thanks a lot again, Ryan. And uh, on behalf of... Really, the everyone, all of our listeners, thanks for your time, and um, I hope all of our listeners can go and give you a follow on Twitter at 
Gunnar Stahl with two N's and two A's. I believe that's a Mighty Ducks reference. Uh, it is, with a little Jordan Stahl reference from back in uh, 07, I think. Is there you go. I mean... I mean, if you when you're playing hockey, I'm sure you tell people that they've lost it for themselves because that that's really my favorite quote from that movie. Uh, Actually, but, my friends say that to me because of my username when they beat me in pond hockey. Well, <laughs> that, that's rough. Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? Well, thanks again, and uh, to all of our listeners, uh, we'll talk to you guys again soon.